This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be an OR nurse? What about all the little details that go into being prepared for an operation? Is it anything at all like what you watch on TV? Keep listening to find out. Hey guys, I'm Adia Hansen. And I'm Corbin Smith. Together we are going to explore the nursing profession. With exclusive interviews for nurses working in jobs you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is the College Handoff. Welcome back, friends, to the College Handoff. Today's guest is Wendy Nielsen. She's an operating room nurse working in Southern California. She's going to share some fun stories with us, talk about what it's like being an OR nurse, and explain some of the biggest struggles, but also most rewarding parts of her job. If you're even thinking about working in the OR, then this is the episode for you. Let's get to it. Our guest today is Wendy Nielsen, the College Handoff's favorite operating room nurse. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Could you introduce yourself and tell us how you became an OR nurse? Um, I'm Wendy, and I work in the operating room in Valencia, California, and I went to BYU, graduated in 2003. What was wonderful about going to BYU is that I got two days to observe operating room, and I knew right away that's what I wanted to do. Like, hands down, I'm going to be an operating room nurse. And what's wonderful is that they offer capstone where you get to choose where you want to kind of specialize. And so I chose operating room and they put me in Payson, the the hospital in Payson. And I uh, got to shadow my preceptor and they taught me everything I needed to know about the OR. I knew how to do cases. I knew how to do the charting. I was basically there to help them through the whole case. And I felt pretty confident near the end. I could probably do it on my own. And so what's really nice is that um, because I was already trained in their computer charting and how to do that, um, their sister hospital at Tipinogos hired me right on. They're like, perfect. You already know how to do it. And we have the same charting as a patient. So they hired me right on, which was really wonderful because a lot of other people who came out of nursing school, they had to do a year on the floors before they would even accept them into an OR. But because of UAE's capstone, I got to bypass that. That is awesome. So let's talk about education for a second. What certifications and things like that are required for someone to become an OR nurse? There's nothing else really required. Some hospitals require you getting a bachelor's by a certain year or they only want to hire people who now have a bachelor's. Um, And then after you've been an OR nurse for a while, they encourage you to go ahead and get your certified nurse in the OR, which is a CNOR certification. And that's just um, an added certification that you are really qualified working the OR. So I've had that for a few, for many years. And it's a, it's extra. It's really good to have because you just learn a little extra more that helps you be a little more well-rounded. Okay. That's good to know. Could you give us a glimpse into your week? Like how many surgeries are you participating in on average? Um, that I do, I'd probably say about 20 and sometimes more because some are really quick and some are long. Like we'll do cataract surgeries and those are last 15 minutes. And so I can, I'll do like 
12 or 14 of those in a day. And then sometimes we also do pain injections and we do injections in their back for um, pain management. And those are also 15 minute cases. So I could do another 12 of those in one day. So kind of depends on the length of the cases. Like a lot of scopes take longer. Some of these scopes are only 30 minutes, but like other shoulder scopes are two, two and a half hours. So what is the longest surgery you've ever been in? Oh, I've probably been in a surgery that's taken over my whole shift more than 12 hours, probably 16. Now I'm curious, what is the wildest thing you've ever seen in an operation? Oh, well, there's so many. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Um, I did have a, have to answer a doctor's phone once, their cell phone, and he said, now, when he answered, answered doctor's office, and I said, okay, doctor's office, and they said, we're towing your car right now. <laughs> so, so anyhow, that was an interesting situation. That is crazy. But let's talk a little bit about being physically in that operating room. What do you have to do to prepare the operating room itself? Yeah, uh, being a surgical nurse is a big deal. You have to know a lot of stuff, a lot of equipment, and you kind of have to be a little bit of an IT expert. You have to know how to use and troubleshoot many different pieces of equipment from the monitors for all the scope surgeries to um, bovie machines to everything. I mean, irrigation pumps, so many, so much equipment that fills up rooms and rooms and you have to kind of know how to use it and troubleshoot it when it's not working. And so it's, a lot to know and you have to know what equipment you need for each case. You have to bring all the equipment in, the position of the bed, if you're using it like a, we call it beach chair to sit somebody up in uh, to do like a shoulder case or sometimes a shoulder holder if you're going lateral and it's like a huge fishing pole that holds their arm up. Like, so it's just a lot of equipment that you have to kind of learn. And, um, and then you're in charge of during the case, making sure it is all working because the surgeon and the surgical tech, they're scrubbed in and sterile. They can't touch anything. They can throw off the lines and the equipment for me to plug in. And I have to operate all the buttons and get everything to print and do all of that. And so there's usually here and there, there'll be things that arise like this isn't working and you have to quickly under stress, try to figure out as quick as you can how to get it to work. So it can be kind of stressful. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So I'm sure you know in movies and TV shows, the OR is always portrayed as like super well-upkept and organized place. I imagine that's true, is it? That's very true. I mean, I find that everyone who works in the OR has a level of OCD. Almost every single person you meet, uh, from the scrub techs, the nurses, to the doctors, they're very OCD about things being just right because they know that it needs to be for everything to go smoothly. and the OR does need to be clean and orderly. Like the techs keep trash in a little bin and the, the nurses are constantly picking everything up off the ground and everything has to be in order and clean and all the wires so no one trips. Like it is, it is definitely a, a lot of work, but we all like to keep it pretty orderly and clean because there's just too much going on. And if things are everywhere, it's just added chaos. So that being said now, what about after the operation? What about post-op? Are you involved at all? And if you are... What do you do? After the surgery is over, once we get them all cleaned up, help them wake up, which is the most dangerous time is right when they're waking up after surgery. And, um, and then after they have, after they're stable, 
then we transport them into the anesthesia and I will transport together into the PACU department, the post anesthesia care unit, and which is post-op. And then we get there and we will meet a recovery room nurse waiting for us where we will connect the patient to all the monitors. And then when they're stable, we'll give them a full report of what happened during the surgery and all the history of the patient. And um, when needed, we'll stay and help when there's still trouble breathing or anything like that. We stay and assist with that or help get medications. But after that, we kind of transfer care to them and we go and do the next case. Now, I'm curious how you as an OR nurse, how do you pay attention to both the big picture and the small details? Because you have to keep track of the surgeon, the patient, procedure, equipment, vitals, tons and tons of things. And my question is, how the heck do you do that? Well, you're basically a nurse manager of your room. You're managing the anesthesiologist, you're managing the surgeon, you're managing the surgical tech, any reps or x-ray personnel in your room. You have to manage all of them, plus the patient. You want to make sure everything is uh, prepared and done correctly and all the paperwork signed, plus your vitals are good the whole time. You're paying attention to everything all at once. And so it comes really with a little bit of experience, but it it is just constantly being aware of everything around you, paying attention and listening. Like some people will tune out the surgeon or whatever because they're busy charting, but you have to still be able to listen to what's going on so you know where they're at in the procedure and what they're going to be needing next. And really the trick is you have to anticipate. You have to anticipate five steps ahead. You have to know what's coming next, what you'll need for the next part, and what could possibly be needed as well. What are options of things that could be needed? So it's always thinking ahead. So you have to work in the OR with tons and tons of very, very smart people. And I imagine there are times when people's ego might get in the way during an operation. How do you handle something like that in such a tense, like high stress situation like that? <laughs> it's nothing but egos in the OR. Everyone has an ego. And, you know, some nurses don't like having to deal with the doctors or call the doctors. Like every day, there's at least two doctors in my room at a time. And so sometimes it's both their egos and even the personnel in the room are, are like, oh, I've been a surgic, surgical tech longer than you've been a nurse. And this is how I say things go. So there is a lot of egos. And uh, it it is definitely a process to learn how you fit in within there and how to deal with the egos. And, uh, you know, they have, some of them have such a complex. And so you kind of have to learn how to work with that. And you, some need a lot of, uh, a lot of attention and, and you have to really, Oh, that was great work. That was so awesome. You did such a great job. They need that. And all those positive affirmations. And then other times you have to know when it's okay to call them out and how to do it. Cause sometimes they want to be stubborn and do things their way. And, you have to be able to do it appropriately, but also be firm. Because if you don't put your foot down, sometimes they won't respect you and they continue to walk all over you. So you kind of have to know when to say enough's enough, as professional as possible, and you know, and just be, that's not acceptable. And especially when it comes to things like they started instituting a few years back that you have to, everyone has to stop and pause and stop everything they're doing to listen to the surgical timeout because they don't want any mistakes. They want everyone to be on the same page. And you, you wouldn't believe how hard it was to get the surgeon to actually stop. He wants to do 10 things at once. He wants to listen to the timeout while he's setting this up and injecting the, the local. And it's so hard to get them to just stop and look at you for like maybe a minute straight. It is really tough. And I still fight that fight to this day. I still have to say, 
I need you to stop. I need you to pause. This is, you know, I need you, we can't continue until we do this timeout. And so it's, it's very difficult dealing with their egos and also trying to follow hospital policy. For current nursing students, I'm sure by now you're an expert with the BYU College of Nursing website. But if not, you can review the college mission, vision, values, and creed, find faculty and staff emails and phone numbers, as well as access the undergraduate student handbook, all at nursing.byu.edu. So Wendy, this is a question that I really love to ask. What was a time and experience that you really felt like you made a difference? because of your specific skills? Yeah, there's one time where um, we were just finishing up a surgery and um, the surgeon left the room because he was done and we were proceeding to wake the patient up and um, clean the patient off and wake him up. And all of a sudden, I noticed that the patient's vitals were dropping and the patient was declining rapidly. And I pointed out to the anesthesiologist, look, we need to do something. This isn't right. Like, I think something's wrong. And he was like, uh, and he didn't know what to do. And he just froze. And um, because I've had my ACL certification and training and I, I, I knew what to do. And what I wasn't aware of at the time was that a lot of the surgeons or the anesthesiologists, the doctors aren't regulated because they're not staff of the hospital. So they haven't had ACL, some of them for like 20 years. And there are a lot of updates that come from a, the American Heart Association that constantly are updating all of those uh, like uh, the CPR and the BLS, all that is updated like almost every few years. And for someone to have not been recertified in many years, I, yeah, they don't remember even what to do in some of those situations. So I kind of had to take over and I went and got a crash card and I started calling the code and starting CPR, felt for a pulse, did all that because he didn't know what to do. And I was like, okay, you probably should give some epi now. And so it was like, I had to coach him along what to do because he didn't know and he completely froze. And it's happened to me more than once or I've had to take charge of a code. So it's so important to, to remain certified and know your stuff because you can't really rely on other people. You have to know your stuff. What is one of the toughest things about your job? I've done a lot of organ harvesting, which is can be super sad because sometimes they have to let the patient die and then they take the organs out because they've declared them brain dead. And so it's so sad, especially on young kids. Sometimes they let the parents in the room and they just let them, they take them off the monitors, anesthesia walks out. And it's just weird. I've never, it's so weird being in a room without the anesthesia. You're there by yourself with the scrub tech. And then once they, they'll, Everyone who's going to harvest organ has to wait outside the door and they have to wait for the, for the heart to stop beating or be less than 12 beats or something per minute, like super low. And it's, it's so sad because it, sometimes it takes hours and we're sitting there and waiting and they have a curtain up, a drape up that's got all these saws and stuff behind it while the family is sitting there crying. And it's the saddest thing you'll ever see watching a mom and a dad cry over their young daughter who's like 12 years old who got hit by a car and is now brain dead and their brains herniating out of their nose and they just have to sit there and let them die and say goodbye. But knowing their organs are going to go help other people is some sort of, you know, helps Mm -hmm. definitely helps them feel a little better, but it's still like they're losing their little girl. And it is so incredibly sad. The whole team is crying. No matter how many times you see it, you can't help but cry. It's awful. 
it's tough. And that's kind of, we rely on each other a lot for support because then we go through these tough times together. It's really, it just pulls on your heartstrings so much and it can just be really weigh you down. Sometimes if you don't have that faith, you know, it's just a lot, a lot to cope with. And, and sometimes you can see it on, in, in your coworkers, that's just really weighing on them. I would really love to know now why is your job so enjoyable? Why do you continue to do it after having such a hard day at work where you have to deal with something similar to that? What is it that makes you wake up the next day and think, I want to go to work again? Uh, well, I love my role because I get to really help patients who come to the hospital and they're scared and nervous just to be at the hospital, but even more so because they're having surgery. Some people are really scared that they're going to die. And it's so sad to see that. But at the same time, I know I can do so much to help relieve that. And so it's so nice knowing that I can comfort them in so many ways and help them feel so much more comfortable and confident going into surgery and kind of ease a lot of that worry. And uh, I just really enjoy being able to help them as much as I can being their nurse and being there for just them at that moment in any way they need. And then I also love that I get to work with amazing people, like the team that I get to work with, they become like your family and you help and support each other out all the time. And you just kind of really learn to love the people you work with. You get close to your, your work people because like you're in traumatic situations that are emotional and scary sometimes. And, you know, even we get nervous and to have each other, have each other's backs and be able to help them wherever you can really relieves a lot of burdens and a lot of stress. And um, it really creates a really strong bond between your whole crew. So just kind of to, to cap this all off, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about how students can gain that experience. You talked a little bit about capstone earlier and how you can use that to get your foot into the door, but how else can students gain experience to be successful in the OR and find themselves in that place if that's where they want to end up? You know, one of the things that I loved about BYU is they have great labs. We would work in the labs until we felt we were confident at doing it. We'd do things over and over and over and over again until we were super confident. And then doing on another, on a live person in their clinicals, rotations, that was the next level where you got ample opportunity to really learn the skills you needed. And I felt that I had so much experience between the lab and the clinicals that I was super confident in a lot of skills that I didn't realize a lot of the other nurses didn't have. Like I was super confident leaving um, school that I could put a catheter in anybody and a, a Foley catheter and that I, I got pretty good at IVs that I was pretty confident I could do that too. And there are nurses that I've been doing this for years as a nurse and are still aren't very confident at those things. So just really practicing and learning the skills, take every opportunity you can and volunteer. Don't stand back quiet, say, I'll do it, I'll do it. Even if you're not sure that I'll do it, will you help me? And just jump in wherever you can, get that experience because you won't have as many opportunities when you're hired. There's not gonna be as much help, but definitely take advantage of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that advice, Wendy. We have come to the end of our time today. It has been so awesome and so significant for me. But if the students have any questions for you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, they can email me at itswendysmail at gmail.com. And that's I-T-S-W-E-N-D-Y-S-M-A-I-L at gmail.com. Well, Wendy, we want to thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We appreciate it with all of our hearts. 
Sure, you're welcome. It was a wonderful opportunity. Thank you. So Corbin, I heard a little bit about your interview earlier, and there was part of it that just sounded really hard. The things that Wendy sees at her job with patients passing away and dealing with their families and all of the hardship that comes with that. It just kind of reminded me, there are so often times for me and every other nursing student that I've talked to about this, that you see really hard things in clinical. So, for example, a few weeks ago I was in the NICU. It's really hard to see little babies that might die. You can imagine. Yeah. That's awful. Um, there are just, there's so many situations in clinical where you're, you're going to see hard things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of nursing, and it's part of life, and it really sucks. <laughs> I know. I, I think I mentioned to Wendy, there's like this quote-unquote dark side to nursing that it's not a secret, but we just don't talk about it as much because it's kind of sad. Obviously it kind of made me think I'm not a nursing guy. I'm a sports guy. And recently it came out that Sean Bradley, he used to play basketball here at BYU. He was insanely tall, like seven foot six. He got hit by a car while he was riding his bike in St. George. And he ended up having to go to the hospital and he had a super traumatic spinal cord injury. And now he's paralyzed. And First off, it made me think of how sad for Sean and his family. That is awful. And after I thought of that, the next thing that I thought of was there are so many nurses that probably worked with Sean in that in those moments, in his darkest moments that really brought him up. Because the things that I've read about Sean is that he is just so positive after this experience, which is incredible. I don't know how I would be able to be like that. But those nurses probably had such a big impact on him. My respect for nurses goes up even more the more that I learn about the hard things that nurses go through. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of nursing is that you can be there for people in their worst moments, which sounds so hard, but that's really the time when you get to share your love and what you know and just be able to comfort people in these hard moments. Um, And I think a huge part also of this is making sure that you take care of yourself after you see those Definitely. hard things. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard, especially as nursing students, we're just like, go, go, go. But you guys always need to remember to take care of yourself. Take that nap if you really need it. Like, take it. Take it. Take go it on that run. in five minutes right after this episode. Yeah, <laughs> like watch that movie. Talk out. If you've seen something really hard, talking it out to your clinical instructors so great. They're there to listen to you. They're there for you in those hard moments. And they will remind you of that too. Exactly. Just like how you never expect your patients to be immortal or invincible, you should never expect yourself to be immortal and invincible. Always take that time to get your head right and get like your emotions right because you need all of those to be successful in your job. And your life is frankly going to be a lot better if you take the time to do that and start that habit now. Agreed. Yeah, so everyone listening, just remember that to take care of yourself. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. See you all. See ya.